boys, boys, boys. Can't live with them. Can't live without them. You know what I mean, ladies? Well, here's the thing these days, okay? Because everything is politicized because we have no idea how to relax. Even men, the subject of men is politicized. And let me explain why, okay? If you're listening to the left, they are doomsday. They are the reason for all pain and suffering, the patriarchy. Like it is all to blame on men, right? But if you're listening to the right, these guys walk on water. There are are God's gifts to us, okay? But is there an in-between? I feel like there is. And on this show, through my work, through my writing, I talk a lot about bringing men into the fold instead of talking about them all day long, right? So guess what? We're gonna walk the walk today and we're actually going to do it. And it's unlike anything you're gonna hear anywhere else because number one, we're not gonna be censored. Number two, we're gonna get into all sides of this and we're gonna go places that everyone else is like shaking in their panties to go, okay? So without further ado, here are my guinea pigs. I mean, my guests. Oh, <laughs> 40 and slip, my bad. Okay, so we have Bobby Jones. You guys have met Bobby before. He was in our infamous WAP video, okay? He's out in LA. He's a media professional, okay? And underneath Bobby, we have Evan Jackson, the Bowtie Bandit, okay? The creator of Young, Bold, and Regal. Also a media mogul, if you will, okay? And we also have David Fields who's a listener and who I just met like five seconds ago for the first time. So this is like the ultimate guinea pig, all the props. And these men are all, I feel like you guys are all like open-minded. You can see all sides of an issue and you guys all have opinions, which I love. So let's hop into this. All right. This first word, this first word, you may or may not have heard of it. It kind of triggers me. And I don't know if it triggers you too, but it is the one, the only the patriarchy. Smash the patriarchy. Now, this has been a theme in a lot of my work, right? I just interviewed the Black Widow director and she said, you know, we're really like in this movie rising above, you know, the patriarchy, right? Which I don't like the idea women are always going through something or rising above someone, right? So that's number one. I also this morning revisited my Playboy feature in which I and female journalists, we pose and we also wrote essays, right? To prove that you can express yourself creatively. However, one doesn't take away from the other. And in our video, it opened with one of the women saying, you know, being able to do this is the biggest F you to the patriarchy who set these rules, who set these standards, right? And thirdly, In my USA Today piece, I talk about how I've written for female-centric outlets who would never allow me to include men like we're doing today because men, like I said, they're the reason for all of our pain and suffering. We cannot prop them up. Even when Charlize Theron told me, let's include them. But they were like, no, we can't have her saying that. No. All right. So who wants to hop in here? When you hear patriarchy, what is your immediate reaction? Is the patriarchy to blame for everything, guys? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. I don't feel like the patriarchy is to blame for everything. There's different factors. I feel like the pendulum shift of people pushing back is pushing against the patriarchy. But ironically enough, they're making a new system that is Xing people out. I.e., um, I went to a uh, women's centric event pre-COVID. Right, had a great time. Usually, hop on the red carpet, and then they're like, "Er, you can't hop on the red carpet. You're a dude. We only want photos of women." And it was like, wait, there's not one man involved in this 
organization that could be affiliated, even affiliated with that. So that was like, wow. But at the same token, women and a lot of marginalized groups have been shut out for centuries, for decades. So, hey, tough, tough, tough luck for us men, right? <laughs> well, David, David, you, you, you epitomize all evil because you're the straight white male. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're evil. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty rough. <laughs> um, you know, like, I don't know, when I hear patriarchy, um, I think of just the word paternal, right? Not as something that's evil, but it's something that like I aspire to as a dad to try and bring to the table to my children. I have two daughters. I don't have a son to pass on my manliness to. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to establish a pattern of good behavior or a pattern of how that my daughters should want to be treated by a man in the future. I try to see the side that is like smash the patriarchy because I get it, Evan, to your point. It's like, right, there was a system that perhaps put women down or put them in boxes or whatever, but I feel like that's living in the past. We're not living like that anymore. I think by trying to cancel out the patriarchy, you're doing yourself a disservice. I think rather than trying to cancel it out, work with people, it's identity politics. You know, you're completely ostracizing one group or trying to separate the groups when we should be trying to work together to achieve some kind of consensus. There's no chance of actually coming to a consensus if there isn't dialogue, which is why I'm really stoked that you're doing something like this. I mean, it's, this is like, you know, the tip of the iceberg, but. Yeah. And let me just say too, you guys are all single, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, oh, okay, Bobby. Okay. It's fine. I'll put your number up. I'll put your number up in this episode. Bobby, what do you think? And David, you have kids, but Bobby and Evan, Bobby, you don't have kids, do you? None that I'm claiming, no. Okay, but but they're out there and, <laughs> and they are very attractive and they're probably running around without underwear because by the way, Bobby's not wearing any underwear for you listeners. And so we're all getting me too but it's fine. Um, Bobby, what do you think about this sort of like swing? Because Evan and I will talk about it. And Evan, I feel like the way you word it is really, you put it really well. It's not just with women, but it's for any group that has sort of been like the underdog right now is like not only staking their claim, but like shutting the other group up and like put like how women sort of put men down in this way. How do you see it, Bobby? Like, is it an, is it extreme? It's extreme if you let it be extreme. I think you first have to head on like, who is the patriarchy? How do they right. become that? Where was their humble beginnings or unhumble beginnings? And then f- figure it out from there. Because again, the p- patriarchy, c- patriarchy is, all, is constantly changing. It's changing and it's changing to fit a narrative and it's evolving to fit a narrative and it's becoming more dangerous and everything else. So you have to figure out who's that because any given day, maybe one of us could be part of the patri- patriarchy not knowing it, or, you know, we don't know where it stems from, but it's like they're establishing themselves and making it more harder for any type of reasoning, I guess. But then to just sit there and say, they're the patriarchy and we're going to have to take them out becomes combative in a sense, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, do you, simple yes or no? Thumbs up if yes, thumbs down or no. Just for simply being a man, do you feel like you get shit on? By culture at large, David's like, yes, immediately. Oh, Bobby and Evan are, oh, Bobby did, oh, they both did, oh, all thumbs up. Okay. Yeah, because I, I think that, you know, but but uh, there's also uh, advantages and disadvantages, right? Yeah. 
when I'm on a red carpet and then a so-and-so actor is like semi-flirting with a uh, female correspondent, that can't happen with me because I'm straight. And on top of that, like that person who's come to see me, they don't want to do that, right? So it's going to be a different dynamic, right? Let me state the obvious though, because Bobby and Evan, you're both black. Not that you're speaking for all black men, but you both are like, yeah, we. I feel like I'm getting shit on as a dude. So mm-hmm. in that regard, does race have nothing to do with it then? Because you're still like, I'm, I'm eating shit all the time. It's, it's, well, it's well, go ahead, Bobby. Well, again, it's like, I mean, race, unfortunately, has something to do with any and everything. But then when you add the male factor to it, then it becomes an issue. Just like when we had talked earlier before, you know, sexual harassment is for ugly people. I'll say it again. <laughs> sexual harassment <laughs> Is for ugly people. Where's my shirt? You promised me a shirt. Uh, <laughs> you promised my shirt that says that. It. And, so and, and, it, and it, because again, it's like we, we, you do walk on eggshells. If a woman is not attracted to you, depending upon where you're coming from, that that's now you've stepped over the line. Yeah. You stepped over the line. See, you're sexually harassing and stuff like that. But if a woman is attracted to you, then it's all good. Right. Because harassment is described as unwanted attention. Yeah. So in her, I of the beholder of the woman, if she doesn't want you, you're harassing her, which is which is true. But and then I think that then, people, but then, I, then you're in trouble. Yeah. I think that people are gonna be surprised though. And I'm gonna say the politically incorrect thing is I think that people would think because you're black men, you would get a pass. So you can't have sexual harassment. You can't that's why I'm surprised that you're like, yeah, and I feel like people listening to this and watching this would think the All same. Right. That it's I mean, well, it depends on how you vote, too. I mean, and honestly, what network you work for, whether you get a pass or, you know, what your uh, political affiliation is. Look at Cuomo. I mean, for Christ's sakes. You know, I mean, that dude, how many? I lost track of the number of women who came forward with that thing. And then what the, uh, was it the CNN anchor who just got busted for a Zoom meeting, uh, pleasuring himself? So, you know, he's he's right back. He's right back on the job. You know, and they they welcome back on, and that was like super cringe. I watched that so, welcome back episode. It was yeah, I heard it was. So it's cool. almost like sexual harassment doesn't. It's like sexual harassment doesn't count if you're of a certain. No, length. it counts. It it's it because it, it often shifts because again it's weaponized. So oh, absolutely, yeah. So it, it it shifts. So it does count. It counts. No matter what you are, who depending upon where that weapon is aimed, depends upon where it's going to be unleashed, and your life is either going to be ruined, or you, you're going to uh, have to hide underground someplace. David, I mean, Bobby, I think that you're 100% on the mark on that because it's, it's the the thing is is with the social media construct that we have these days, and there's so many people that live in this like perpetual state of being offended whether it's wanted advance or unwanted advance, they're just drinking that Kool-Aid over and over again. And it's that you go girl, you go get them, you crush that motherfucker who messed with you. And, and then they get that dopamine hit where they're like, oh, I'm so powerful. Look what I did. I ruined this bastard who tried to give me unwanted sexual advances. And then next thing you know, Joe Smo's out of a job and, you know, and she's moving on with no repercussions. And, and a lot of times we're seeing now that it doesn't even matter what the actual facts are because the facts never even come forward. You know, well, like, these people get canceled before and, they have a chance to defend themselves. And then to inter- interject, 
It's a medium where you could be your own messenger. It's the great equalizer. You could be at a club, you could be a multimillionaire and guess what? There's somebody who's popping on social media who has the same amount of bottles that you do. It's the great equalizer, right? So when everybody has a voice, it might seem sometimes nobody has a voice and the discourse gets so convoluted with uh, different subjects that we even forget what we're even talking about sometimes. So, one, yeah. One last thing, and I'm totally on board with that. And what you were saying about like the clubs, people are tribal by nature. We tend to congregate with those who are like-minded. And unfortunately, those groups tend to uh, end up fostering you know, let's just call it, and I hate the word, but toxic behavior. And then we get these groups going out and attacking other people and, and not doing anything productive other than destruction. And I think that's more toxic than any right. patriarchy could possibly be. Mm-hmm. So two things here, what is toxic masculinity and does it exist? And to Bobby's point, who is the patriarchy? Like, is it an outdated sort of concept? When you use the word toxic masculinity, who falls into that category? What falls into that category? How, how skewed are those lines? Does it, is it one particular situation that this person is the typical toxic masculinity or does it evolve to prove a point to, 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 uh, to, to go after a bigger cause? I don't even know what toxic masculinity means, to be honest with you guys. Like in my mind, it's like, bro locker room frat boy behavior but i'm like is that what it is like i don't even know right that's the point that that's the actual point is exactly it's like what does it actually mean what's the typical definition so we can address that because again this conversation if it one few words over uh, to the left or to the right becomes toxic toxic masculinity i guess in in some certain terms but again it's like who what is that definition I'm, I'm trying to google it now mm-hmm. in the great google god <laughs> that, that, who, I, falls under, who falls under that huh that's funny you mentioned definition because uh taylor earlier this year had a, a panel on the george orwell's 1984 right and they were talking about how they redefine certain words so i think the narrative now on toxic masculinity it's about it's an illusion it could change every day you could use it loosely and you could tie in 10, 20 things of that person's career or that company's career and tie that and rope that into toxic masculinity. And it's also like when, when I was revisiting my Playboy video this morning, it really had me thinking because it's like, who's making the rules, right? So like with one of the girls in the feature said, like breaking out of these rules, it's an F you to the patriarchy. I'm kind of like, who did make the rules? Like, did the straight white male make the rule? Did women have a part in making these rules, right? Who made the rules? Like, did women kind of sit back and be like, oh yeah, no, we can't show our bodies. And if you do, that takes away from who you are as a woman and your intelligence. Like, I kind of feel like women had a part in that. You know what I mean? That evolution of that construct, if you will. There's always someone who has an agenda when rules are done. There's a certain agenda that's created, whether it's uh, to, to make things equal or to stop things that they don't like, but there's always agenda by a rule. Um, to go back to your earlier thing, your earlier assumption of toxic masculinity is what you assumed, but then at the end of it, it says, go see hypermasculinity. And then when I go to see hypermasculinity, it says, yeah, go see toxic masculinity. So I think that's toxic within itself, the misdirection that they're giving. <laughs> Try to right. find out what this word means. <laughs> let's, let's, 
moved to me too because we before we started recording bobby was like i'm not wearing any underwear and i'm not trying to be too all you right it's become this thing it's like i'm gonna me too you or whatever now this is complicated because i'm obviously a huge me too advocate i interviewed our kelly survivors um and i i was vocal like i wrote wrote an op-ed saying that networks like e being like yeah me too and they didn't do diddly dick right to actually help and it's like no i actually walk the walk with that said it has now swung in this direction where if I always joke about it on my show, like if a guy looks at you the wrong way, is that me too? Like now it's gone so extreme where we can't even have like male female interactions. Here's an example that is timely that Evan, you actually brought to my attention. Okay. Kira Knightley. Now I'm not trying to discredit or police this woman's feelings, but she did a recent interview and this is what she said. She was talking about how, you know, women basically have like a built in curfew at night because we can't walk alone at night, which is fucked up. I'll say that is true. And saying that every woman she knows has been harassed. She says, literally, I don't know anyone who hasn't been in some way, whether it be flashback, roped, some guy saying they're going to slit your throat or punch you in the face, whatever it is, everybody has. Now I read this and I was like, oh my, like, where is she hanging out? First of all, like, Oh my God. But also I think a lot of women feel this way as extreme as I feel like it is. And then the interviewer made a point to say that this man approached them and they had to go into a garden mid interview to find quote sanctuary from this man. Right. So this whole thing paints the picture. Like I said, like men are the reason for our pain and sufferings, just their existence. So how has me too? do you, I'm sure you guys feel that in your day-to-day life. You're like, I don't want to look at this girl the wrong way. I don't want to do a come on. That's going to, because to your point, David, it doesn't even take, this is the scary side of it. It takes one accusation for someone's life to be over and it doesn't even have to be true. I mean, I work in healthcare. So, you know, I try and treat every patient um, as an individual, and I try and treat every patient with the same amount of respect that I would try and treat my own mother with or my own father. It, it can be a very vicious place if someone is walking around with it, that chip on their shoulder, looking to be offended. And if you can constantly move the goalpost, you can always get the ball in the end zone if you're moving that goalpost. And that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, moving the goalpost, that make, that's an amazing term. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, because so. it first started off, sorry, Ev, but really quick, it first started off. That's why I was so psyched because it's like, you know what? The truth of the matter is there are men and women who would abuse their power and put people in really bad, often, you know, a lot of times traumatizing positions. Right. And that's not okay. Especially in Hollywood where it's so, you know, they got away with that shit. Right. So it's like, okay, no more. But now when you're talking about moving the goalposts, it's like, okay, it's gone to an extreme where, like I said, is every little thing now going to be misconstrued? And that's not healthy either. Yeah, even well, even okay. being on the, oh, sorry, David, even being on a red carpet, I'd be like, would it be ignorant for me to ask a fashion question to this uh, this actress or this female guest? Then I'm like, no, that's why she came out to this award show, to show out. So it's like, I had to really get rid of that thinking and that capacity of not overthinking it so much as far as my day-to-day it's like yeah you 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 being a man simply walking around especially me being a black man might be seen as a threat but as long as in my opinion you don't carry that and you carry yourself respect and integrity you should be all right you know what I mean even though there is 
on social media. And of course the Me Too movement is still going on, but it's not as highly publicized. So that's the interesting part about it, how the, how the, uh, how the public um, feelings towards it and Hollywood's feelings towards it have kind of dipped in, in popularity. And I think it's based off the fact that it's such a, so difficult of a subject to even address and so thorny and there's different degrees to it that people are like, let's put this to the side. You know? you know, what's interesting really quick, David, before you hop in is how you just said, especially as a black man. And I had said earlier, you know, it's this idea, like, do black men get a pass? And by that, I don't mean in me too, like, obviously, right. Look at R. Kelly. And I interviewed, you know, a handful mm-hmm. of his survivors. Right. But what I mean is like, again, with this extreme, it's like, I feel like we've co- we become in this place where it's like white straight men against everybody. So it's that idea and me too and beyond. It's that idea that like straight white men are bad and everyone else are either victims or innocent or can do no wrong. So it's really eye-opening for you to be like, and the added layer as a black man, I could be seen as a threat, right? Right. Go ahead, sorry. No, I was just gonna say like one one other question that, and uh, please answer Taylor's question first because come back to me. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 David, please. No, no I, I was just going to say, but um, right before you asked that question, Taylor, I was going to ask um, Bobby and Evan. I mean, we talk about um, being me too. And you were, Taylor, you were saying, uh, you know, somebody oogles you or somebody cat calls you. How do you guys feel when you get cat called? Do you get cat called? I mean, I got cat called um, last weekend when I took my girls to the lake. And she was like, ooh, boy, you a snack. And she's like, take it off. I was like putting on freaking sunblock and I'm like trying to air up my paddleboard. And I'm like, and I was just like, this is the best thing ever. You know, it's been a while since I've been like cat called that because it's not popular anymore. Like uh, someplace like Mardi Gras, New Orleans. I mean, it's all about cat calling. I mean, that place is just rampant sexualism. Sexual you flat hello you flash your tits right? you flash your tits to get beats plastic and it's Collecting right worthless and plastic right <laughs> and it's you know that's where it's interesting and bobby you and i talked about this i do want you to speak to the the race component as well but you and i talked about this in the WAP video and this is where i feel like speaking to the idea of the goalpost moving because i know my idea on this has kind of shifted. i used to be like I would, I used to live in Manhattan and I would flick off construction workers cat calling me. I'd be like, get a life, you know, or someone. That's what I was going to say. Cat calling is live and well in Hollywood because all this new oh, construction and that's all you hear from yeah. the beat. Right. Like, hey. You hear it all like, the time right. on, on, on the red carpet. Paparazzi, paparazzi, yeah. that photography pit. Some of the photographers, they say some of the craziest things. And I'm like, how can they get away with this? But I, I know why they can get away with this. Context and unsaid rules, right? <laughs> The What's the craziest of, thing you've heard of that they've said? Craziest thing a paparazzi or a, a photographer has said? Somebody was like, uh, they were saying something like, uh, you look beautiful over the shoulder, show your butt. It's, it's like all, all the things that are like you wouldn't <laughs> say to a normal person. It's like, why the heck are they doing this? It's like, oh, it's the unsaid rule of like, hey, they might have a personal relationship with that photographer and they're on the red carpet and they're getting adulation. And now if that happened to you walking to your car, that is most definitely crazy harassment, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. There's a line. There's a line. So now that's also changing because what's the line? Like to me, there's a clear cut boundary and line. But now 
what? Go ahead, Bobby. But the, the line constantly moved because I've said some most of the outlandish stuff in the, in the history of, of being a human being and would get a pass. <laughs> if someone says the same thing, then they get in trouble. The same place that Evan would like when he's in that line, I've infiltrated the photography section in Lion King. And when they were doing do this and I'm like, stand on one leg, do jumpy jacks, do a cartwheel, touch your butt with your leg. And then it was like, cause it, it was so outrageous that these people were calling these things. And I was sitting there just hazing everybody. And to the point that was like, that's hilarious. You know, or it was like, you know, and, and, but that's the thing. It's like, it's all about context and it's all about who gets a pass. I should have gotten in trouble, <laughs> but yet it's, it's still a pass. You know, so again, with with which still is such an amazing statement, the goalpost is always moving. It's true because again, it's like you make it, you you use that situation and then you weaponize it and you and you make it into whatever the goal is at the end of the day. And that's what's wrong with it because there's no standard. There's no standard across the board. It constantly moves. The same thing that Cuomo's been accused for. If he was Trump, he would be under somebody's jail or at least be, be vilified in there and everything else. The same thing R. Kelly is accused for. Didn't uh, J Dave Frankel do some of the same things? You know, and let's not even talk about Scott Disick, who's Jason, who has dated anybody 20 years at 20 years of age in the, in, the, in, yeah. in, the, in the long period of time. You know, had he been like somebody else, it's like it's a whole situation. So again, the what happens right now is that we don't have a standard and the standard is constantly changing depending upon the narrative that they want to create. When you talk to those R. Kelly survivors, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that that's happened that, you know, when you're in the legal department and you sit back and it's like, well, why didn't you go to the police? Why didn't you call anybody immediately? Why weren't you offended the day that it happened? When he said, decided to go ahead and pee on you, why weren't you in somebody's school? And that's, that's what makes it so hard. That's where it gets really dicey because I interviewed on the same carpet. I talked to those girls who were all amazing. I talked to Mira Sorvino and this is where it gets really, really dicey because she had a whole thing with Quentin Tarantino. But I basically asked to your point, Bobby, what you just said, you know, in hindsight, hindsight's 2020. Do you wish that you had come out, you know, and said something sooner in a different way? And she was completely offended and said, you know, you can't put the responsibility on the person who it happened to. And that's where it gets really gray because it's like, Okay, you but, know, but, but high-profile okay. people taking advantage, you know, of the situation. Like I could see where a woman's like, I could lose everything by speaking up against this powerful, you know, person. So how do you take that if you can't put the responsibility on the person that has happened to, then who calls the people to task? I wrote an op-ed saying that and no one picked it up for that yeah. very reason. I wrote an op-ed saying these high profile, like the Nicole Kidmans, the Meryl Streeps, they will. They have such a huge security blanket. Like they could help the nobodies, like the R. Kelly survivors who don't have a voice. You know, I know it's a sacrifice and I know you're still a victim, but use that platform. No one picked it up because they didn't want to say what we're saying because it's not the politically correct or, you know, sensitive and, thing. And to me, and to me, that's the definition of the, the, the patriarchy. It's not putting two or three people necessarily in jail. It's about people who have the power and the platform to say, hey, this isn't right. I know some people personally on this level who has done this to a degree that is a crime, right? But the patriarchy doesn't always have to be delegated to men, but it's a system that the powers that be where it's like, you think Meryl Streep and all those people are big players? They're not. They're, they, they get casted. 
they need a job too. I was watching a movie the other day with Michael Douglas. I was like, this is a horrible movie, but I'm like, you know what? He has to pay his bills too, right? This just in, Meryl Streep is part of the patriarchy perhaps, Evan. Wait, so Evan, really quick, and this goes, that who would have thought? And I love a Meryl moment, but hey, that's a really good point, right? Because it's like they let this shit happen and they're powerful. Um, you wait, have... wait, 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 before you get started. So in a sense, I can't be with it. Uh, if, I, if I'm a woman and I'm talking to a business uh, executive to put me in a movie, I can't sleep with him, take the money, benefit from the movie, and then 20 years later say, oh, by the way, he me too, me too. Um, yeah. But like, hold up, let me talk put to my assistant and then let me collect this Oscar that I got in the movies that he put me in real quick. But by the way, yeah, he did me too. He's a scumbag. He made me sleep uh. with him to get that role. And also that's, that's where it's that's where it's slim shady, slim shady, because it's like, OK, there are also women who took advantage. And this is, again, where it gets gray, because it's like, was that the only way that they could at the time where they, quote unquote, forced in that position? Were they afraid that they would have, you know, a downfall if they stood up against it or did it any other way? And Evan, I point this at you, because when the Kira Knightley story came out, you said to me offline, you were like, you know, she benefited from, you know, she says, I never really want to work with a male director in the male gaze. And you were like, okay, but she made millions and benefited off of male directors using the male gaze, Pirates of the Caribbean. It goes on and on, right? So at what point is it like, you know, I take accountability for being a part of it. And also regret, regret is being used as a certain tool. Everybody regrets certain things, right? There's somebody in the world that doesn't have the greatest take on you. That, that it, does that mean that your career should be in jeopardy because somebody doesn't like you or the way you talk to them or approach them? That wasn't a punishable crime, right? So that that area where it's like, it's not a crime, they, but they didn't say the nicest thing to you. So that middle part is being utilized and the social media puts a huge bullseye on you, right? And something like that, Sometimes it's good because that person has shown a pattern behavior and it gets worse and worse and worse, right? Regrets, it's like, it's being, uh, it, it's, it's being, it's being weaponized, it's being used against people on a daily. That's why people are so careful or PC or uh, apologizing for things like 20 years ago. Like I said, Justin Timberlake, <laughs> yeah. apologizing. And I'm like, bro, apologize for that album, Man of the Woods. <laughs> I love that. You gave us classic after classic. What happened with Man of the Woods? I need, I need, no. I need the story behind that. I need an apology. My ears uh, need an apology for that. And but the frosted again, tips. Then, we got bigger fish to fry. Fro- right, frosted then, tips. Right, but then also you have to when you there's so many different factors. Then you have to uh, talk about the time period when this stuff was happening, when yeah, Bill yeah. Cosby was doing it in the 60s and everybody was doing drugs right. and everything else. Does that still, does that make you get a pass because of the time period? SNL does this skit with, uh, was, I think, Kate McKinnon. She she plays in a 20s actress and everything else. And she's in the room with actresses of today. And she t- says some of the most outlandish things she had to do with men. And then she always discounts, well, that was the time. You know, yeah, I had to sleep with two directors and go get their coffee and uh, go home and cook get, uh, food for the kids. Right. That was a great time. And these women are like shocked and awed. You know, and so that's when- where... That's where I see now it's like the residual like leftovers of that and that resentment of women being like smash the patriarchy. It's like that anger. But that's where it's like when you're 
people don't look at it like what you're saying, Bobby, in the context of the time. They're acting like that's right now. And it's like, no, that was 10, 20, 30 years ago. Go ahead, David. Get, and then I want to get a pass because of that. And do they have to atone for those situations back then? Like, does, does Eddie Murphy right. get canceled for Delirious or Raw? He, right, 90% of his whole stand-up he cannot do today. Mm-hmm. 90%. Like, I, look, I looked at it a few weeks ago. At least 90%. He could say hello, thank you, and good night. <laughs> and that's his. That's raw right now today. Yeah. Same and, thing and, with Delirious. And, and to me, that's my theory on why he doesn't do as much movies now. Because some of his greatest classics are rated R movies. Oh, but God, they're yeah. funny classics. And when I have kids at a time, they'll be able to see that, but contextualize it and say, that's a movie, right? That's a, a movie and acting out in public. And I feel like people compartmentalize everything and they're trying to make, they're trying to make what is a fictional movie into fact. And it's so bizarre. Well, movie, and to answer comedy, your question, context, go ahead. To answer your question, Bobby, I don't think that they should be canceled because we can't rewrite the past. We're always changing, right? Should Eddie Murphy or whoever, you know, if it's something as serious as rape, I mean, yeah, go to prison and have have a nice day. But if it's as something as like jokes in a movie or politically incorrect this or that, that's ridiculous. There's no how way many, that many, we can be rewriting Cosby the past. There, there were 60 Cosby accusers, accusers and all these women are in their late 50s, early 60s, maybe early 70s and everything. That's a long ass time to carry that weight to now to be able to come to court and win a case on something that was sold. Not to say that he wasn't guilty for it, but it's a 45 year old situation that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So what are you saying, Bob? Wait, so Bobby, what are you saying? And then I really want to shift gears to masculinity. But what Um, are you saying? I'm saying that you know that how does a, a court of law try this case? How does they how do they make it to the point of that criminal and he's in and put you in jail for something like that that was done at that right. particular time that wasn't construed as rape or they didn't oh. go to the police or it didn't happen or everything else. And it's like not to say that he shouldn't be a you know um a try for a situation, but like how do you how do you put that into context? Like who, right. who writes those laws that but makes the- well, He said, she said, right, right, yeah, right. I think it's looking at the bad things we've done and saying, hey, this is not what we should do anymore, but now let's move forward from this. But don't forget about what we did that was bad because it's bad, but just teach ag- that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, shifts to masculinity. Now we have a couple interesting dichotomies here going on, right? Because we have like on the left, it's like, let men be as feminine, like Harry Styles in a thong twerking in a dress. Like, let's go right on the right. It's like, we got to be gun wielding manly men. Right. And it's also that interesting dichotomy. This is stuff I've talked about with celebrities on the red carpet. Number one, masculinity, how's it shifted? Where is it gone? And the, this dichotomy going on right now of like, men are trash, men are trash, right? I hear this from women on both sides, but then it's like, <laughs> let men be vulnerable, let men be, be vulnerable and like speak their feelings. So we have all these things going on. My feel is men have sort of, I feel like men get the brunt because like, we're always putting them under a microscope. Men are trash or this or that. And it doesn't go the other way to women. But I do feel like men have lost their grip on masculinity a little bit, right? Stuff like ghosting, you know, not settling down, like all this kind of shitty frat boy behavior. So 
what is your take? Because also when I took it to the carpet in Red Hollywood, in, in Red Carpet in Hollywood, like a lot of the women would say, you know, Leah Thompson and her daughter, they're like, oh, you know, screw traditional gender roles. I'll change the light bulb. I'll fix the toilet. My husband doesn't have to do that. And I'm like, no, my guy better be, you know, on his hands and knees, you know, fixing my toilet. And by the way, don't you dare take a second longer than me to get ready. So where's masculinity at? Where's it gone? Have we lost it? I think I think that even the, the funny that term ghosting, like it's not it's not new. There's dude in like World War II wrote a letter to the girl and they said basically said bye and they might have just seen them out and about and like says I thought you forgot about me right so it's nothing new but the new part is once again is the social media and the screenshot era right but it's getting back to masculinity um I think it's it, it's becoming like a redefinition of it I think that term toxic masculinity is causing toxicity within itself it's a representation it's a representation of something that somebody created and then it's, it's seeping into the ether, into the psyche of the dynamics between men and women. And I think that's what's actually changing masculinity. Well, I see a lot of what you're saying. And, and honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with just the breakdown of nuclear families. I mean, like over the years, you know, we've seen divorce rates super high. We see a lot of single family parents and that kind of stuff. And it's so important for, for, I mean, boys want to be men and they need to have positive male influences. I mean, I see this just with my daughters and, and I don't mean this, uh, and I'm going to caveat this, uh, to be in a, a sexist type of way, but I see my daughters, both of them are pretty girly girls. And one of them is more of a tomboy, but the, and that's probably a cancer cancelable phrase at this point anyways. But Meanwhile, I got, you know, my neighbor's kid next door who comes over and I'm like, hey, man, what's wrong with your eye? And his eyes split open. And I'm like, how'd you get that? And he's like, oh, me and my buddy were playing. We were having a rock fight. Well, of course, you know, like you have a rock fight because you're boys and like you do shit like that and stupid. But like to become a man, it requires you to hone your behavior. I mean, you need to have strong influences. You need to learn what it is to be a gentleman. You need to learn how to treat a woman properly. Being a man is about being supportive, being, uh, you know, being there, being the stoic one, uh, trying to make the best, you know, but also relying on a woman. A, a man isn't half a man if he doesn't have a good partner in life. And, true that, and, true that. And, you guys wouldn't I mean, survive without us, let's be honest. There's a reason no, women I, outlive you guys. I, I, I don't want to survive without women. I love women. So, Bobby, you're somebody who is, you know, just from talking to you, like you're hot, you're in Hollywood, you're hip and cool. You've met and worked with porn stars, like you're progressive thinking. So what is your thought on the whole, like, you know, Harry Styles in a dress or men being more feminine or like David's idea of like, you know, loss of the nuclear family. Like, where are you with, you know, where are you at with all that? And the idea of like losing our grip on masculinity? Well, we, it's, it's never, it's always been a situation where masculinity has been the term masculinity, is, the envelope's been pushed with Prince, with David Bowie, with Little Richard, with um, um, uh, every king and queen in the UK. <laughs> that's like, you know, who's had to wear a dress and tights and makeup and hair. So the, the, the masculinity, the masculine imagery has always had it, the, envelope, the envelope pushed. Does that make you gay? I mean, I was a, I'm an avid fan of Prince. I loved everything he did. Didn't turn me gay. You know, so then again, some, some, sometimes when you tack the imagery right, that right. 
kind of pushes the envelope and everything else. There's nothing that Harry Styles has worn femininely that turned me on about him, that wanted to change me over or to make me think it was okay. So then when you're saying the imagery is, you know, is uh, attacking masculinity, I don't agree because again, it's like if these people choose to do that, it still doesn't mean that you think it's okay. Well, when I brought it to the red, when I brought this to the red carpet, you know, and it is Hollywood, right? Um, who, you know, are maybe sensitive to people's feelings. Like when I brought you guys see on the red carpet, like, dude, where did masculinity go? Like help a girl out. You know, I love a manly man. You know, a lot of the people would be like, that's in and of itself is politically incorrect because they'd be like, you know, we need to not be telling men how to be. And like, you know, they need to be vulnerable, which I agree. Like I, you know, be sensitive. And I think that men, I did a whole video with women uh, actresses talking about how we should talk about men's mental health. I feel like when we talk about mental health, we always make it a women's issue. And it's like, no, men have mental health struggles too. So with that being said, do women want it always? Do you feel like we want men to be a certain way and be tough and stop being pussies, but also be vulnerable and talk about your but, mental but that's health? The thing. I, I, think, I think the biggest attack on male masculinity is feminism. Woo! The biggest attack on male masculinity is feminism. Because again, the male masculinity, we were, I was grown to open the door up for a woman. But then feminism says I could open up my own door. I was grow. I was I was made to you know make sure I go out and provide for the family and come back and make sure I I, I keep a roof over the head. And I went. We could do that too, you know. So it's like one of those type of things where the the feminism ways like now I don't even know how to 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 play that now. I don't know what to do. It's the right thing. I'm trying to play along. I'm trying to be a good human being, but I don't know which way to go because again, a lot of the things that were in that typical masculinity. Then you have certain situations where like, well, we have an all-male football team. And that's what we, well, women can play football too. We want to play with the boys. It's like, uh, you know, like there's, <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay, what am I, what am I supposed to do here? Like what's going on? You know? So the, I think that's been the biggest attack on, on the, the masculinity term is the feminism because there's no, there's the, everything is constantly changing and constantly evolving and we're afraid. We're afraid because then we're we're afraid to push back. We're afraid to say something. We're afraid to help um, to mess up our happy home. The term happy happy wife happy life is is prevalent, you know. And it's like we we we're afraid to say anything about that. So again, it is tact, you know, and everything. I want to I want the sensitive guy. I want a sensitive guy. You know, everything. You know, and it's like okay. I, I'm going to be sensitive. And it's like, oh, no, you're too sensitive. I don't need you crying at every movie. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, shit. okay, what am I doing now? You know, so what do you do with that? Because again, it's attacking what was the standard and maybe it's an evolution. Maybe it is should, evolution. Should men be, and really quick, because I know we are out of time, but I really quickly for like a couple minutes want to talk about objectification. But before that, do men need to be more open about their feelings? Do we need to give you guys more of a platform to be, whether it be mental health or being vulnerable? Do you feel like you're not being heard in that way? There's a show, there's a podcast with, uh, uh, what's it called? Brandon Marshall, a former wide receiver, uh, Chad Ochocinco, Chad Johnson of I Am An Athlete. And they have this exact same discussion where they talk about, frankly, like, how is everybody? We know that we're financially, we're doing well on a scale of one to 10. Where is your mental health? So a lot of them broke it down to where it's like, ah, it should be better, but it's not exactly there. And they really opened up and it was a really 
looked like a really great and safe space. But I feel like there should be spaces, but it should be private spaces as well. We don't need to know all about your business. We, like like you like Bobby said, if you cry at every freaking uh, every freaking romantic movie, I don't need to know that on my social media and all that, right? But if you have a safe space <clears throat> among your private group to let that out on how uh, on the pressures of being a man, being a husband, being a father. That's all I'm asking for, more spaces like that. Mm -hmm. I don't need to know all about that space, but I want my boys and people that I know personally and any man to have that type of uh, atmosphere to do that. I mean, as a woman, I can say for me, I'm not speaking for all women, like I like a guy with a manly man facade, right? But also like we want somebody we can confide in who can understand us and have that sensitivity to your point, David, right? That's a two-way street. Like it's not like this cave, caveman, like manly man, me no have feelings, whatever. And the woman's a sensitive one. It's like, no, we want someone to help us and get through, you know, you know, take on life together. So that's really important, I think, to have that two-way dialogue. I think, Taylor, I think the Renaissance man is out there. I mean, uh, I think it was Aristotle who coined that phrase. But, you know, it's just being a jack of all trades. I think there yeah. are guys out there that are trying to do that. And I think a lot of the breakdown where you get toxic behavior in men, which I don't think should be attributed to masculinity. I think it should just be called what it is. It's toxic behavior. You're just being a dick or you're being a shithead. And just like women can be, you know, you, you can be a bitch without being a bitch. You know, it's, it's a behavioral aspect. It's a, you know, it's, it's an adjective. So many of these boys have never, and I call them boys because they've never broke that Oedipal bond with their mothers. Um, they've never had struggle. Struggle is what makes a man, a man. I mean, even one of my really close gay friends once said to me, he was like, when I see a strong masculine man who knows his place in the world, it's intoxicating. And I think that, that kind of feeling is hardwired into, you know, our, our beings, we're sexual yeah. beings. If we're not here to propagate or to propagate, you know, and mate that that's our core being biologically. Yeah. With that said, I mean, lastly, I want to get into objectification really quickly because with these whole like traditional sex roles and sex, you know, I talk about this a lot, like a primal thing about sex. Right. Um, and I've said like with men objectifying women, there's an aspect of it. Women don't like this. Okay. But there's an aspect of it that is natural. I talked about it, Bobby, in our WAP episode. I talked about it in my entourage episode, right? How the guys of entourage would hit on and objectify the women. And there were a lot of guys who were like relieved that I acknowledge this, that there's a primal thing in guys that's going to objectify women. Why is that so relieving to hear? And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's how we are. That's what we do. It's not in a bad way. Because evolutionary, evolutionarily speaking, we saw with this first, before we had language, we had our eyes, right? When you're a heter heteronormative, a male and you see a beautiful woman that you find attractive you're gonna look right but we've evolved enough not to be a caveman and not to be idiots if we're involved with another woman to approach that woman in a way to get her even further and i feel like that is trying people are trying to strip that away entirely they're trying to deconstruct that entirely and it's like sorry you can't deconstruct that right you can have different um 
opinions on it and you could identify as non-binary or pansexual or, 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 or whatever, right? But that, that, that's, that was there from the beginning. You can't dissolve that. You can address it, you can critique it, but you can't totally delete it. It's not, it's not a computer well, screen. You can't, you, you can't delete it. Well, look at porn. Bobby, you've met you, Bobby. You've met porn stars. Have oh, you yeah, porn one more time. <laughs> yeah. Porn, say it again. <laughs> one for the you road. Porn and Bobby, one more time. Exactly. Bobby, come on. <laughs> what, what do you want to ask? So you have met porn stars. Have you worked on porn sets? Oh, so is this old. some NDA shit, Bobby? No, no, it's not that. It's it's. I was designing when I was designing websites, I've gone to the porn sets to pick up tapes or content. But I wasn't okay. working. Well, because <laughs> what I was going to ask is when it comes to objectification, is that not the ultimate like form of you literally putting yourself out there to be objectified? So there's a part of it that's like it's that idea again. It's that idea again of women kind of owning it, right? I've talked about my Playboy feature before. That's sort of idea of owning it. Yeah, I'm not going to go out today in a hefty bag. Like there's a reason, right? So right. is there an element of women being like, I'm going to take advantage of this and own this and just an element of that's how we operate. We know that you guys are going to look at us in a visual way. But then those are, the, those, those are not the culprits. Those people who do those adult films are not the culprit. Again, it's feminism attacking objectification. So if my day job is creating music, I can I can create a, a great rap beat. Then but then when I try to evolve, it's like I I got offended by be calling a, being called a rap producer. I wanted to evolve and everything else. Like no, I'm going to be I'm I'm a musician and everything else. And I do music. It's like, yeah, but we know you for your rap beats. So the same thing when you, when you attack, like, you know, a guy is being a guy in a minute that he's going to do something else. Then all of a sudden you're attacking it. You're attacking that situation. Well, you know, well, do you want me to go back to opening doors? I can do that. I can do, do that same thing, but you won't let me. And so again, it's like one of those type of things where you're you consistently do something and you try to evolve yourself but then you're getting attacked from stepping outside of those situations and then you, all of a sudden you have all these different pronouns and these different me we the them i always call myself them because i always talk to myself but it's just, it's just <laughs> <laughs> boys will be boys right so this one i was doing i was in hollywood when me too first erupted and like niecy nash like she she and i were talking about the casting couch right and that was sort of like the slogan of me too like boys will be boys and they think that they can get away with the shit and that's where we have totally lost sight because there's a difference of like entourage guys being guys you know being bros hidden on girls and literally taking it so far as harassing or assaulting somebody right so we put it all in the camp of all of that and is the under the umbrella of boys will be boys so that's a problem right there and it's also david to your point a problem that like say this Kira knightley quote right she says i don't have an absolute ban but i kind of do when it comes to men working with men okay what does that accomplish like what does that accomplish banning you guys taking you out of the conversation so to you like boys will be boys what does that mean what does that even mean well, what I have to ask another question back to you is, is so you went to the Black Widow premiere and, and basically it's like, they're talking about smashing the patriarchy in Black Widow. 
do they not want any men to come watch the movie? Because I will pretty much eat this pencil right now um, if Scarlett Johansson isn't wearing a pair of skin tight ass pants in Black Widow. Like, is, <laughs> does she not, does she wearing like a potato sack? Because That's I'm going to tell you right now, when I want to go watch an Avengers movie, nine times out of 10, it's because of Scarlett Johansson. She's gorgeous. Like, you know, I, mean, I you, think so too. And right, I'm straight. So it's like, if you're smashing the patriarchy, but you're still selling the sex, are you really smashing the patriarchy? Cause it just seems like you just want the money. I'm sorry. Like I, that's why the double standard is just really, really. And it's uh, almost really becoming, good point. It's almost becoming a pantomime of, of what patriarchy and what feminism is because feminism, as we knew growing up, it was these groundbreaking civil rights. Yeah movements that are still currently going on right that we needed that we needed and we need it but if in every movie and article you say we're breaking the patriarchy why don't you actually break the patriarchy by saying f marvel i'm making my own movie i'm making my own thing i'm making my own studio but that's what people don't realize that is incredibly difficult to do that's just not easy it's not, right it's not. but i said look i could either be in the system and work my way up, right? And get the little things that they're handing me out or I could build it my own and then eventually work with the, the patriarchy or the powers that be when it benefits me because now I'm right. a power player. That's my problem with the whole like smash the patriarchy. It's like, I don't, I said it earlier, I don't like the idea of women always having to be going through something. Like she had said to me, you know, they combat abuse or these characters, Scarlett Johansson, whatever they've been through with humor as their way of claiming their power and belittling the big guy. Right. Which I like. And she said, you know, men and women are going to find it heroic. Like I'm all for that, but why do they have to be taking down somebody or going through something or avenging someone who hurt them? It's like, why can't we just see them being boss ass bitches? And that is what it is. And that is powerful in and of itself. Like, I don't like that idea of it's always a superhero like movie. Yeah, entertain us. I mean, isn't that what we're trying to do? I agree. I mean, does that movie? But I even agree. to the point that even I, I, I learned about objectification at an early, early age. I was a uh, sixteen and a half, and I when I and so my birthday felt weird. So I graduated and I started art school, and it was my first life drawing class. And this woman stands up and she's built like a popsicle stick. She literally was the human olive oil. So then I learned how to draw from comic books. So as I'm drawing her, I gave her a typical superhero Marvel comic book body to which the teacher, Mr. Delgado, taps, Professor Delgado, taps me on the shoulder and he says, Mr. Jones, I need you to draw them like how they are, not how you want them to be. And it mortified me as a kid because again, it's like he's like you're objectifying her because you, you've given her a shape that she doesn't have. You know, you've given her voluptuous that she doesn't have, you know, and everything else and so on and so forth. So at the end of the day, at the end of the class, as the women were scowling at me and the guys were giving me the thumbs up, um, the, the, the model comes by and she's in her French accent and she says, let me see the first picture I want to see. And I show her the first picture, you know, with my head down and everything else. She says, oh, you made me look beautiful. And she kissed me on the cheek and I was in love with her until I was 26. I don't know who she was, you know, but I was, <laughs> but it was like an impression on me. So then it it was like more of a, was that a cultural thing? Was that American? I was like, why did I feel embarrassed about what I was doing only because that's how I only knew, 
You know, I only knew how to draw from comic books and all the women that I've seen comic books had a certain shape. So it was always embedded to me. So when he says he went to Scarlett Johansson like that, are we objectifying because we try to stick true to that imagery? Or is it the simple fact that, you know, it is what it is. I mean, look at Gal Gadot. She got a lot of shit about being a, a cup, being Wonder Woman, because most of our Wonder Woman images, she's very extremely voluptuous. Linda Carter made it hard on any other woman, Wonder Woman to be out there. And Gal Gadot's doing a hell of a job, but they 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 tapped her for her her, her cup size and not wearing padding or something. And I even- mean, to your point about the, really quick, Ev, to your point about the comic books, a woman, I bet, listening to this will say, well, that's that's because of the patriarchy. They created that. They did that, right? But I do think that there is something, like I've said before on my show, primal and biological, you know, about that. Yeah. And then even I, even a funny reference to Wonder Woman, because I even revealed to Taylor how Wonder Woman even was like created, came to be. The guy who, who invented oh, the yeah. eye detector, he did the comics, he did the Wonder Woman comics, and he was really into BDSM. So he had a lot of scenarios of Wonder Woman tied up and like the, 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 the what's it called? The lasso of truth. As we know, oh my gosh, lasso of truth, truth telling. No, it was just the lie detector guy lo- loving the fact that ropes was being in there. So it's like that part we haven't compartmentalized where it's like two things can be true. Mm-hmm. It could evolve into something that's a great uh, female fictional superhero character, but also in the same scenario, we got to look at how the origins of it was made. Yeah. People like to erasure a lot of those things and that does make sense if you're a dc movie that would be a a horrible sell for the movie the original one right but at the same time the pushback of wonder woman 1984 it it got to the point where people said this is too campy but i'm like if this movie was made in the year 2000 if it was made in 1984 itself it would have been a smash hit but it's like i think they were trying to please too many people and that's the problem with certain media hits where it's like, why didn't this movie do well? Why didn't this do well? Because you're trying to please too many people. hundred percent. I've said that Hollywood. before. Well, listen, guys, I have to wrap us up because I've gone over our time and it's been really fun. We'll have to do a part two. But bef- yeah, and I want to thank you guys seriously so much for, you know, be will- being willing to, you know, come out in here and say what you want to say, pants or not, in Bobby's case, like, you know, <laughs> Swinging around. Yep. Yep. There we go. There's the proof. Just let the nuts fly guys. Uh, And before we wrap one last thing, I want you guys to all go around, right? Say you're sitting down with a, like a Kira Knightley who says, you know, I don't have a ban against men, but I do, or feel like they have to have like a sanctuary against men. All right. One, one or two lines. Like what, if you're sitting down with that person face to face, what do you have to say? Who hurt you? (laughs) I thought that myself, not gonna lie. I, I, I would say, do you think the universe, God, or whoever, like, deity you believe in, do they want you to win, right? And when people say no, I'm like, there's so many patterns in your life that show they want you to win. So in, in relating this, I would say, the world is a scary place, but it's even scarier when you have a scary-ass mentality. It's, it's terrifying, right? The world isn't as scary as you think. Of course, be safe have your boundaries as your woman. I can't even speak to that. It's not as scary as you think it is. I love it. It's like men aren't always out to get you, girls. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a constant horror movie. 
Yeah. Right. And David, Some people, yeah, just don't, don't block yourself off. It's uh, it's silly. I mean, you fall off that bike, get back on it. Dealing in absolutes just is never a good thing. We need to have a little more chill, no more of the extremes, some more of this. And hey, maybe we can meet a little more halfway. Guys, thank you so much. We'll do part two. I love it. Thank you. And everyone will be pantless and we'll all shake, <laughs> shake, shake it the nuts uh, on their way out. <laughs> oh, Bobby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Guys, thank you so much. No thank problem. You. Bye. All right, thank Bye. you. Bye, Taylor.